Hey everybody, this is Eddie Trunk and you are listening to my brother from another mother, the heavy metal hippie, Frank Hannon and the Far Out Podcast. He learned it all from me. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Far Out Podcast. Episode 19, the decade that rocked. Hello, everybody. I'm Frank Hannon, and today is a Far Out Friday on the Far Out Podcast. Yeah, I'm going to take you out of this crazy world we're living in and back to the Monsters of Rock cruise. In February of this year, I sat down with Mark Weissguy Weiss, the legendary photographer, and talked to him about his new book. It's a thick book of photos and killer stories. It's called The Decade That Rocked. Now, when you listen to this interview, it was recorded before the book was released, and I just received some updates from Mark himself about The Decade That Rocked. The Decade That Rocked is on its second pressing. The book has been number one on the heavy metal chart since its release on June 2nd, and they are sold out of books on Amazon. So there's still some books available on the decadethatrocked.com website where you can get t-shirts, patches, postcards, and prints in different bundles. There's a feature spread in Rolling Stone magazine about the decade that rocked and you know mark weiss is just an overall cool guy he's been a friend of mine for years and uh he shot the into the now tesla album cover along with bon jovi's slippery when wet and just many legendary photographs that you will recognize so please check out the decade that rocked this episode of the far out podcast is brought to you by gibson guitars out of Bounds Brewing Company and the Monsters of Rock Cruise Studios. Be sure to check out the Far Out Friday Rock and Roll live stream brought to you by the Monsters of Rock Cruise Studio Friday, July 31st at 6 p.m. Yeah, 1986. Tesla's Modern Day Cowboy. I'll never forget recording that song in the studio. And uh, what a great era, the 80s. Some great music. Hey, speaking of the 80s, there is a new generation of musicians that love the 80s. And I'm going to have two of them on my show, JT Lux and Davin Loyler from Red Voodoo. Some of you have uh, heard the song Rise Up. It's a song that we produced uh, in the studio here at Frank Hannon Productions. And it's been getting a lot of uh, plays on Spotify and YouTube. YouTube, and I want to thank everybody that's been uh, checking it out. But be sure to check out next Friday. It's going to be a Far Out Friday rock and roll festival from the Monsters of Rock Cruise Studios Facebook live stream page at 6 p.m. next Friday. And we're going to have a very special guest, Britt Lightning from the band Vixen. She's going to jam with us in the encore. And Britt Lightning will be on next week's podcast, the, the Far Out podcast. podcast. Be sure to check out. Brit Lightning and Red Voodoo, JT Lux, and myself. Frankhead. Next Friday, July 31st at 6 p.m.
All right, welcome back to the Far Out Podcast. I'm Frank Hannon, your host, and this is the Monsters of Rock series. My guest today is Mark Weiss. We're going to be talking to him shortly. But before that, right now, I am joined by two young kick-ass guitar players, JT Lux and Davin Loyler. How you guys doing? Hey, great to be here, Frank. Yeah, thank you for having us. Before we get too deep into this conversation, JT, what year were you born, bro? 1999. 1999. And how about you, David? Uh, 2001. 2001. Okay, so JT, you're 20. Yep, 20. I was born in 1966, and when I was 20, it was 1986. And let me tell you, that decade did rock. The reason I'm mentioning that is because we're looking at this big, thick book called The Decade That Rocked, and you guys are obviously influenced by that music. Oh, yeah, definitely. 100%. The 80s was one of my favorite decades, musically, actually. And why is that, David? You know, so much great stuff came out of the 80s for me, personally. Uh, you know, listening to bands like Van Halen, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, they all had such great influences, you know, coming up in this time. It was a lot more fun, would you say? Uh, probably. A lot less uh, rules. A lot less rules, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so David, everybody, David plays guitar in Red Voodoo. A lot of you have seen the Rise Up video and heard the song. It's doing really well. How many listens are on Spotify now, man? Uh, right now, we got a little over 11,000. Can you believe that, dude? I know, that's such an insane number to say out loud. Isn't that for cool? Me. <laughs> yeah, on Spotify, 11,000 listens of Rise Up by Red Voodoo. And David's the guitar player. And... Tell us who some of your biggest 80s guitar influences are. Uh, for me, obviously, uh, Eddie Van Halen is one of the biggest. Just he revolutionized guitar playing for me. You know, I heard tapping, and I was I was just gone for. Uh, you know, another one, probably Kirk Hammett, I guess. You know, he's, uh, he's another one of my biggest influences. You know, he's more of the speed feel. Well, you know, Van <laughs> Halen and Metallica both have killer songs. That's what I've been trying to teach you guys is that it's about the songs. Right. Yeah, you could be the best guitar player in the world, but you got to write a good song. You know, Metallica was managed by Q Prime. That's the same management that Tesla had. I have a, a feeling that Metallica was hammered the same way we were in the sense of they told us, write songs, write songs. And we'd be like anxious to put out our album. And they'd be like, no, there's, they're not good enough yet. You got to write them again. And that's kind of what I'm doing to you guys, right? Kind of, yeah. We really got to eat, sleep, and breathe these songs. You know, we got to make them as perfect as we can. You know, can't just throw something together and expect great products. Well, that's what Brad Whitford said when Aerosmith uh, put out Done With Mirrors. He said, you know, we thought we could just spit on a record and it would be good. But you can't, can you? Oh, no. There's a lot of work that goes into it that people don't really think about. Yeah. So let's get back to this book, The Decade That Rocked. What do you see in here, man? T tell me what you see in this book. Well, I see lots of pictures of some of the greatest influences of 80s rock and roll. Van Halen. I see a lot of Metallica, a lot of Guns N' Roses, Queensryche. ACDC, a lot of big names in here. A really great book to look at if you're into some of this stuff. It would be like the Bible of 80s music, right? Yeah, yes, the Bible of 80s images. Yeah, and how many pictures of Tesla do you see in that book? Oh, I see one photo, man. <laughs> Mark, we're going to razz you about that, buddy. Out of all these pages, I mean, there's got to be like 2,000 pages in that book, and there's like one with Tesla. <laughs> it was cool to see, though. It was cool to see Making Magic. Making Magic is right. And everybody, that's JT Lux. What's happening, JT? Hey, man. Like I said, great to be back here. This is my third time on the podcast. Everyone, I want to thank you for uh, having me on again, man. Well, I'm really proud of you guys. JT 
JT's been hammering out the songs. You know, this being the Monsters of Rock cruise series that I'm doing, it's all Monsters of Rock themed. And I had a chance to interview the author and the photographer of that book on the Monsters of Rock cruise last February, and he's going to be coming up on the show next. So that's pretty cool, right? Oh, yeah, that's that's awesome, man. He was on the cruise ship with you back in February? Yeah, that's right. Along with Niels Lozauer, another legendary photographer that I interviewed, and Rick Allen. Uh, on this Monsters of Rock series, I've interviewed uh, a bunch of people from that last cruise ship experience that we had. And one of the interviews I did will be coming up next week, everybody. It's with Britt Lightning from Vixen, and uh, she's going to be joining us. Now, how excited are you guys to get down to the Monsters of Rock Cruise Studios on July 31st? Oh man, very excited. I'm so, so honored to be able to join you guys in Red Voodoo and uh, my band. We're going to be joining you guys July 31st at the Monsters of Rock studio in LA. It's going to be a really great time. Britt Lightning is going to be there and she's going to jam with us. David, have you been to LA before, bro? I've been to LA like twice in my lifetime. <laughs> Yeah. So, so I'm looking forward to going like a lot, actually. It's going to be such a great opportunity. Dave, and you were telling me that Van Halen was your first show. Yeah, six years old. I got to go uh, Got to go to the Arco Arena with my dad to see the Van Halen 2007 reunion tour. <laughs> that was pretty cool. It was a little birthday present for six-year-old me. Right on. So JT, you were looking at the decade that rock book there. What artists did you notice in there? I noticed that what popped out to me was Queensryche. Queensryche was a huge influence on me growing up. When I first started playing guitar, I, I, that's what wanted me to pick up a guitar in the first place. And I actually, my first concert was in 2009. I was uh, in second grade and I went to go see uh, Queensryche after their American Soldier album had just dropped. And uh, in Vallejo, I believe. It was one of the craziest things. I was sitting on my dad's shoulder for three hours. <laughs> it was really fun. All right. So Queensryche was your first show. Another great 80s band. I saw Queensryche in 1984, I think it was, on the Rage for Order tour. That's my favorite record from them. That's such a badass record. It's got Walk in the Shadows on it. Oh, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, Scott Rockenfield's a kick-ass drummer. Yeah, he, he's got the groove, man. He's got the groove. So Davin's mesmerized over there. He is entrenched in the decade that rocked by Mark Weiss. What are you finding, bro? What are you seeing? A lot of pictures of some of these some of these dudes that I didn't know actually knew each other. Some of you guys from Judas Priest hanging out with Ronnie James Dio right here. That's quite the interesting sight. Yeah? What, oh, yeah. What else? Flip a page and see. tell us what you see. There's pictures right here of... Um, Judas Priest recording in the studio, actually. They're uh, doing vocal tracks. Rob Halford. There's also this picture right here of Metallica in front of the Golden Gate Bridge here, all wearing leather jackets looking like they're trying to beat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a killer book, right? It's about three inches thick. Oh, yeah, dude. It's like 50 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Mark Weiss is a great guy, great friend of ours, and uh, you know I got a chance to speak with him on the cruise ship. So coming up next is my interview with Mark Weiss. Guys, I want to thank you for joining me on the Far Out Podcast. Thank you so much for having us again. Yeah, yeah. thank you very much. You got it, Dave, and I'm very proud of both of you guys for your guitar playing and you know for being young guys, taking the influence of the 80s and turning it into, it's very exciting to hear. All right, guys, it was great having you on the Far Out Podcast. Dave and Lawyer from Red Voodoo, JT Lux. We're going to be rocking at the Monsters of Rock Studios in Burbank, California, live, live stream. Check it out on Facebook Live. It's going to be July 31st, Friday night at 6 p.m. I'd like to say happy birthday to Slash.
You kick ass, man. What a great band, Guns N' Roses. And a great guitarist, Slash. All right, happy birthday, Slash. Man, when Guns N' Roses came out on Geffen Records, uh, we were on the same label as them, and they just turned the world upside down with that album, Appetite for Destruction. What a kick-ass album. I mean, it really rocked the 80s. And speaking of rocking the 80s, coming up now on the Far Out Podcast Monsters of Rock series, please welcome my guest, Mark Weissguy Weiss. That's right. We're going gorilla style. Welcome back to the Far Out Podcast. We are on the Monsters of Rock cruise, and we are winding it up, man. We're getting off the ship tomorrow. It's been a hell of a ride, a great festival on the sea, and we've been trying to set up this interview the whole time, but here we are. I'm in my room with Mark Weissguy Weiss, the legendary photographer. Now, I don't like to use that word legendary too much, but in this case, it's true. Mark, how you doing? I'm good, but usually, you know, legendary is like Hendrix, like Jim Morrison, like people that are dead. I'm definitely not dead. You can see I'm running around, I'm healthy, I'm on the cruise, I'm going crazy promoting my book that I'm finally coming out that you're going to debut on the on the World Wide Web. Yeah, yeah, the so. Far Out Podcast. You got a new book coming. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about that in a second. But first, I mean, yeah, I know legendary is a word that's kind of weird. You know, it usually means dead people. But anybody that has survived what we've survived, the decades of the '80s and the '90s. And I'm assuming for you, some of the 70s. Well, yeah, that's how I first started in the 70s. When I was a kid, I used to, uh, you know, I, I got my first camera by mowing lawns. Guy gave me his camera for mowing his lawn. You know, he said, I'll give you this camera, kid. And I took it after eight cuts and then uh, kind of shot my friends and my family. Got a little bored, put it on, and it was like like a bookshelf after a while, you know. And then I started getting into music in '74. So, is this like a uh, 35 millimeter camera, or what was your first camera? It was a Bell and Howell Canon. It was a big clunky thing. I knew nothing about cameras. I had no interest. If I didn't go, because this guy's lawn was like three feet tall, and I knocked on the door and I said, "Do you need your lawn cut?" And he goes, "No, I do it myself." And I go. Weiss guy style. It don't look that way. <laughs> and he laughed. And then I cut it. He gave me this camera. I look like a million dollars. I still have it. So it's wait a minute. Did you know you were cutting it for a camera first or was it supposed to be a cash deal? I used to get five bucks a cut. I, okay. had, like, I had like seven clients a week. You know, that's so funny. That's how I got my first guitar too, bro. Are you serious? <laughs> how much if, did you charge? If Tesla wouldn't have made it, I would have probably had Francisco's landscaping service. I, me too. White skies do it all. You know. Both yeah. White skies weeds. You know, I would charge four bucks, but if I charged five bucks, I'd rake it up too. Right. I used to hate. I used to hate bagging it because yes, you know, especially the high lawns. You know, I used to like, I used to fill it up and used to take it out. I used to hate that. Yeah, my lawnmower didn't have a, have a bag, man. I was ghetto style. <laughs> South Sacramento. And uh, have you seen my song, Southside, the video yes, I did for that? Yes, yes. As soon as Eddie Trunk, like, you were on the interview with him, I had a look at it right away, and it was so cool, man. You got together with your old buddies, probably mow lawns with them, probably. Yeah, yeah. That house there, that's where I, that neighborhood there, I used to mow lawns. And I got jumped, too. And they they took my money, but they didn't take my lawnmower. <laughs> hey, you're still in business. I was still in business. So this is a great story. So Mark Weiss earned his first camera, he said a Bell and Howell, in 1972. 1972. Or, or, wait, 70, 72. I was 12. You were 12. Yeah. Wow, what a great era. So, but you, now you knew you were going to get a camera, so you obviously had an interest in the photography or no, no? None at all. He said after eight cuts, 
he'll give it to me. Eighth cut, he gave it to me. And I'm like, all right, now what do I do? And then I went to my, uh, my, my middle school in eighth grade and I asked them if I could uh, join the photography class because they had a dark room there. And I was, it was so cool. It had like the red cylinder door. It was like going into like a space, you know, like Star Trek. You know, the red lights, the timer. I felt like I was in a, like, I used to love the Apollo missions back then. I, I wanted to be an astronaut. Oh, okay. And then I saw that. I said, I can't be an astronaut, but hey, maybe I can be, uh, be in the next best thing and be in this environment, you know, feel like an astronaut. So I asked my teacher, he said, sorry, kid, we're all filled up, but come in the summer and I'll give you some private lessons. And that's what got me. That's freaking awesome. So did your camera have those little square uh, flash cubes on top of it? No, those were the uh, Instamatic 110 or something. No. Yeah, remember those this, things? This didn't even have a flash. You know, this was just no meter, nothing. Okay. But it got me my first centerfold in circus with that camera, believe it or not. Like no kidding. Like a few years later. Yeah. That original camera, got you got a centerfold in circus magazine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I got the money from that and bought a, a real camera, like a Canon 81 with a meter and all that. Oh, right. But, you know, I learned my ropes, you know, just like, you know, I'm sure at the time that was a, you know, a good camera. But uh, it probably was worth 25 bucks. <laughs> and you'd have to wait two weeks to get the film processed and developed. And I used to hate it because you, you never knew if you got anything, you know. It's like, that's why I kind of love it now, you know, because it's just instant. You know, you, you got back then, you had to do, you used to take it and you didn't know if it was going to come out or not. And then, then you have to develop it. You used to like put it in this round metal thing and you used to have to get it on perfectly. And if you didn't, the chemicals wouldn't get on it and the pictures wouldn't come out. So you had to be really good at it. And, you know, there's some times when things didn't come out so good. You know, luckily, you know, who knows what I might have missed. But, you know, after a while, you get the knack of it and, and everything's cool. But it, it was like a, that, that's the black and white. The color you send out, you get back in a week or two. Yeah. Right. But that black and white process, people don't have a, any idea. You'd have to put the film in the pitch black dark yeah. into a tank. You have to first take the, uh, get a can opener and take off the, this metal canister and and click it out, then get the film out, then feel around, make sure you got the right side. In the pitch black. In the pitch black, and then you take the little lead part off, and you, just, you, have, you have to cut it with your hand. Sometimes you use the teeth, or I've kind of got, you know, I said, you know, I got a scissor eventually, I got smart. And then you then you used to feed it in. There's some where you go back and forth, and it makes it, it's automatic, but they say it's not, not as good as plastic, so, you know. Yeah. But the metal ones, you'd have to like clip it in like perfectly, and you used to bend it a certain way, and wrap it around and everything. Well, I, I kind of know a little bit about this because when I was a kid, I had a friend who was a photographer in my hometown, and he used to shoot rock shows, and, and he was the guy sitting out in front of Tower Records with all the prints that he would try to sell, you know, and I got to go in the dark room with him and watch these pictures come to life. That was a pretty cool thing, right? Like, you would put the print in there oh, yeah. and shine it, and the picture would come to life. Well, that's, in my book, I talk about that whole process. I call it the magical process, you know? I used to be into magic at the time. You used to get those little kits, you know, you used to get at the, the stores and learn magic, you know, card tricks. I thought that was the biggest trick of all. You get a piece of paper, you expose some light on it, and you put it in some water. I mean, it wasn't water, it was developer D76. And all of a sudden, this blank piece of paper comes to life. And there's Keith Richards, bam. Yeah, holy shit. Hey, <laughs> hey Keith, you know. That's awesome, man. All right, so now let's talk about, we're going to fast forward to June of this year. You've got a book called The Decade That Rocked. 
I'm looking at a sample yes, here, yes, and indeed. there's got to be like at least a thousand photographs in, in Probably, this book. Probably, yes, definitely. This started out to be a 280-page book was in the contract, and then I designed it into a 600-page book, and then we comprom- we went down and it ended up being a 386-page book with gatefolds in it that pull out, and then there's also uh, there's going to be red foil on the cover. And then this is the this is going to be one of the covers, but then it's the hard cover. It's just simple. Right now, Guns and Roses are on the cover. Okay. And uh, and so you're obviously talking about the '80s in this book. Yeah, I talk about the '70s as I got my start, you know. And then I go into it in this little mock-up. This is a mock-up because it's not a. Oh, I recognize. I recognize that picture there of David Lee Roth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's David Lee Roth. But it starts out with a few of my like. This starts out the book with this Roth shot from I think it was '81. Okay, but wait a minute. I want to rewind now. I know we fast-forwarded to the book, but let's go back to 1974, the first show you shot. Did you have to sneak your camera in? Oh, yeah. 74. Well, Sly and the Family Stone was my first show that I just went to and just, my, you know, as a a fan, as a kid. And then I was like, well, what would it be like to have my camera in here? And then uh, I went to... uh, Cosby Stills, Nash and Young. I didn't bring my camera, but uh, my friend, this guy Kenny Ref, had these two hot chicks, and he had his camera, and he snuck it in. I said, "Where are you going?" He goes, "I'm going to the front front of the stage, you know, get some pictures." So it was Cosby Stills, Nash and Young, Roosevelt Stadium, Jersey City, and then a few weeks later, I went to his house, and he showed me these pictures. I'm like, "Wow, that's so cool," you know. And he had them all hanging up, you know. And I said, "You know, how'd you get your camera?" And he goes, "Just sneak it in under your clothes and stuff." So. Then Elton John played, and I stuck my camera in. Got it was pretty far away, but it's the first picture in my book because it was it was a wide shot. It, it was good. It was sharp. It was color. I was bummed because like afterwards, I ran out of film. I took got one roll of film. John Lennon shows up. It was his last appearance at the Garden. Oh wow! And so I missed it. So I don't know. You know, I shot you guys so many times. And I I know you guys must hear me say one more roll, and that's where I got it from because I always wanted to make sure I had that one more roll. Yeah, yeah. You can never have enough. You yeah. never have too much. So from there, I went to Eric Clapton. Then Eric Clapton in 75, I got a killer shot. I was 15. I'm, that's in my book, too. I'm still selling those because I sell my photos that I sign and number and all that. And then what really changed me was Kiss on the Rock and Roll Over Tour. Ah. And, yep. It was, I think, I think it was the Rock and Roll Over Tour in December 77. I was still in high school, and I stuck my camera in took some pictures, sold them the next day, and then I got arrested for selling my pictures. With all the, I was in the paddy wagon with all the, all the yeah, bootleggers. Right. You know, like, so here's all these bootleggers with these, you know, these shirts, and there's me with my a handful of 8x10s, you know. 15-year-old kid yeah. at a KISS concert. Yeah, I was 17 then. Oh, you were 17. Jumping, jumping through a couple years. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I shot France. Still, man. Yeah. Still, I mean, this is in the heyday of the 70s, taking pictures of KISS, and they're in their prime. Peter Frampton, like, in the Frampton Comes Alive Yeah, era. yeah, I got killer shots of Peter, man. And then jump forward a couple years, I'm shooting Peter's publicity photos in his house for the I'm in You album. Uh... No, maybe it's the one after that, in 79. So wow. like two years after that, after I shot Frampton at the Garden, as 17, as a 19 or 20-year-old, I'm shooting Frampton at his house. Freaking amazing. So now you're going from like basically being a journalist in a concert, trying to capture the moment, to turning into a studio photographer, right? That's a whole different world. So, yeah. so you've done album covers. Tell my listeners some of the album covers you've done. Okay. The album covers, uh, the first one I did was Stay Hungry, 1984 with Dee Snyder. The record company, Atlantic, wanted like a seasoned 
commercial photographer. D and the guys didn't want anything to do with it. They said, you know, we want a rock photographer. Who's that cat Mark Weiss who in Circus Magazine all the time? And all these hit parader. See what he's up to. You know, sure enough, I had a chat with him. They, Mark Mendoza, the bass player, told me the concept with the room. I built the room. I never did any of this before. I never built a constructed thing. I did photo shoots for the cover circus, like with Ozzy and Richie Blackmore. And, you know, so I that's where they saw my studio work. But I, they never saw anything that I created, you know. So they gave me the, the shot. They thought I was this hot yeah. shot guy. So then I did that. With all the success of that, well, everyone wanted a, wanted Mark Weiss, you know. So... Raven came out with their The Pack is Back, Under Lock and Key Docking, even though it's the one with the waiter outfits and everyone, oh, it's a spinal tap moment of the yeah, 80s. Yeah, still great photography, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> you had to it make was a moment, blue. man. You know, I blame Ray Brown, not me. Sorry, Ray. <laughs> I love you. Hey, you shot the Into the Now Tesla album cover. I did, I did. That was a little later on, you know, but I did just... Did you do some Bon Jovi work, well, too? Well, I did Slippery When Wet. How many records did that sell? Right. And there was there's a big story in the book where I talk about how it was called Wanted, Dead or Alive first, where they all dressed up like cowboys, and they used that stuff still. But that's what it was called first, and then they wanted a different, you know, they didn't want to, They didn't want the beard look, they wanted something else, so then we had the idea by going into the strip clubs in Canada where they recorded the album and where we did the photo shoot for Wanted, all these girls would come up, you know, and go in these plastic booths with the water coming down and everything, so, and then there was the road signs all over, so that's where yeah. we got slippery when wet. Okay. We shot that, and then because the PMRC was cracking down about that time, mm-hmm. Walmart wasn't going to stock anything with a racy cover, and this girl, you know, nice boobs, it was, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. I remember. But, but they didn't want to take a chance, so they scrapped that, and there was a couple other ideas that you have to wait and see the book, and then you'll see what, what, what else we did. But then it ended up being John just saying, Mark, we got a, you know, a day to come up with something. I'm coming up to your studio tomorrow. Just be ready. He calls me up on the way up. He said, get a black hefty bag and some water, or some spray water, and it's with oil in it. And, and I'm like, all right, whatever you say, boss. Yeah. Comes yeah. up. I put the hefty bag. He writes slippery one wet. I said, John, do you want to see the Polaroid at least? He goes, no, just send that to the record company. It's just let, let that be the that's the cover. Yeah. So well, so hey, all you young people out there, when I was a kid, a pastime would be to go into the grocery store and hunt down the monthly issue. I mean, you had to wait a month to get the new Circus Magazine or Cream Magazine, a Hit Parader, and I guarantee you, ninety percent of the photos that you would see in those magazines would be shot by this man right here, Mark Weiss. And so it's great talking to you, Mark. I, I really uh, am honored that you're on my show. Thank you, and I just want to show you... Uh, is this your first book here? It's my first book. I always wanted my first book to be about me and my life and have my legacy. So, you know, when my grandkid is old enough to read or whatever, and when I'm not around, that he has something to look at and see what his grandfather's life was like. So this book is really, it tells my story, it's narrative. It also has quotes from different bands that I've worked with, from Ozzy, Alice, Kiss, Sammy Hager. So there's quotes that they talk about me, so I'm honored that they, these people were part of it. And then I'm going to do my Van Halen book, my Motley book, my whatever book. The separate you know, books, you know? yeah. yeah. This is the flagship. This is the first book. It's called The Decade That Rocked. There there's Tesla back in. Yeah, that's. I wanted to show you yeah. that sneak peek there. You got a little sneak making magic. What Holy we... cow, I must have been like 21. Look at that good looking kid. He's pretty, <laughs> you were the hottest one in the group there. Holy cow, well, well, you still are. Oh, thanks, man. Tommy, uh, well, Tommy looks a little tore up in that picture. Well, he was always tore up, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we all were, really, but, uh, you know, some of us controlled it a little bit more. But, well, There's that, Troy. Well, look at Brian. Look at that sexy yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. So He's got the cheekbone. You know, he, Brian was always good with listening, listening to me because 
because he trusted me, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. You were a good coach there. You would tell us how to, you know, yeah. turn our heads this way, that way. But this photo that I'm looking at on page 262 of the book is from, I would say that's from the Little Susie's on the Up photo shoot. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. You got it. When we made the Little Susie video in L.A. So you're an East Coast guy, but you did a lot of work in L.A. Record companies would fly you around. Well, my whole thing was uh, my fiance at the time was uh, going to Pepperdine University in Malibu. And I would we'd have a place down there. So I, I would be there constantly. And everyone led to believe I, I wanted them to believe I was a West Coast guy. So they wouldn't call an, a, West, a West Coast guy and not have to worry about flying me in. Yeah. So I always wanted to let everyone know that I was from there. So I never denied it, you know, but I was, I guess I was bi, bi-coastal. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful there, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah. hey, so let's look at a few more of these pictures. Let's see, we've got... That's that... my wedding. This was never before seen. Oh, that's your wedding. That's Is that Axel? No, that's Sebastian when he was in Madame X. That's how we got the gig in, uh, in Skid Row. Whoa, Sebastian Bach, that's like... John Bon Jovi's parents were at my wedding. Bon Jovi was out of town. We were all friends. And he was really, like, on the outs with Madame X. But okay. they all got in a car from Detroit, and they drove in this car with Maxine and Bam Bam, the drummer, and Chris. They just came, and we partied. And I just met them a couple months before. They hired me to do a Madame X photo shoot. Okay, and this is before Skid Row. Yeah, and Zach just got into Ozzy. There's Zach right yeah. there playing a Fender Telecaster. <laughs> I just got him into Ozzy, or I didn't get him into it, but I introduced him to Ozzy. Okay. Two months earlier than that, so I, I told my secretary, I got two more on the guest list, him and Barbara Ann. His girl. So you're listening to the Far Out podcast you can't really see what we're looking at but i'm going to tell you this is a classic picture never before seen it's got zach wilde playing a telecaster it's got mark weiss with some uh, booze in his hand jack here daniels. At, at jack daniels at, at your wedding and sebastian bach wearing a white tuxedo like playing wedding singer kevin dubrow kevin dubrow is Little in there Steven. wow wow look at this and jj and the twisted guys so i got video we sang bang your head okay. at my wedding you know and i did background vocals Okay, crazy stuff here. So, There's the Slippery When Wet album cover yes, by Bon Jovi yeah, that you shot. Yeah. That's a classic picture of Axel. So right now, this book can be pre-ordered. Whoa, dude, he looks like he <laughs> should, Sebastian Box could have been in Hanoi Rocks or yeah. something, man. Maxine. Yeah, wow. What's some? These are great photos, man. So let's tell wow. everyone, your book can be pre-ordered right now. Oh, yeah, on Amazon. You can pre-order it. Um, you know, you pre-order it. You don't have to pay until it comes out, so you might as well get get a handle on it and get it. It comes out in June. You know, you can go to, you know, markweiss.com. and an Instagram page, too? Yeah, Mark Weiss Guy. And Mark Weiss Guy. Now, let's spell that. It's Mark and then W-E-I-S-S. G-U-Y. Mark Weiss Guy on Instagram. Be sure to follow him and order his book in advance. So, Mark, I'm seeing Cream Magazine. Tom uh, Petty, yeah. Faces. Faces. Uh, Rock Scene was another Rock magazine, magazine that you did. is a magazine that I have currently that I do interviews. Actually, there's one with you, Frank, and Jeff, and Brian. You go to rockscenemagazine.com and you see some really cool interviews that I did. See some photos, see some old content. Yeah, this magazine was around in the 70s. I mean, the magazines back then was everything. Now it's like the kids yeah. The kids missed out, you know. But Kids it, missed out, yeah. It, it was, was like the holy grail. You I know? was talking. 
talking about this on a different podcast. When we were kids, you put the headphones on, you listen to the album, and all you could see was photographs taken by guys like yourself or Ross Halfman or Niels Lozauer, you know, the very few rock photographers that really brought the music to life in our eyes as kids in the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, it was really, it was me, Neil, and Ross. Like, Ross, we couldn't all be so different, you know? We yeah. all, we all were, we were so competitive back then. Oh, I bet. We're all friends now, you know, not buddies, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's no magazines anymore, you know? Because <laughs> really, you do a photo shoot with a band and you make money and you just change the backgrounds and the more you get them against different backgrounds. So we're all competitive for getting exclusives, being on the video shoots, you know, all this yeah. stuff. I was the most aggressive. I wanted every, I was in everyone's turf, you know, because. <laughs> hey, I, that comes from mowing lawns as a kid, man. It. I didn't want to go back to mowing lawns, you know? <laughs> hey, but you learn how to hustle when you're a kid and you totally. work, right? That's it. Yeah, my father was, and in the book I tell the story, my father was a door-to-door aluminum siding salesman. And he used to tell me, like, you know, look at them in the eyes and show them what you got. Like, it's like they really need it, you know? And that's what I did when I knocked on the guy's door, you know? And I add a little sarcasm to it because that's how, it's my DNA. And my mom was in public relations, like, you know, for newspapers. So she okay. used to interview people and be really bossy and pushy. And I used to, she used to embarrass me all the time. And I didn't like that. So my, my father was the quiet one. So I got, you know, as I got older, I got, they got both of them in me, got the confidence of my mother and the, and the likeness of my father. Like everyone, everyone liked both of them, but right. they all had, they both had their way of being and it all came into me. And look, I didn't, I still don't know a lot about photography. You know, I just know it's pretty easy. You just push a button and, and you just, you know, you got to make people look good. And I can do that. People like, you know, they like me, you know, they like me being around. And I know what it's like because I don't want assistants working for me that I don't like. I don't care how talented you are, you know. You want to be around people like you're yeah. the crew. You know that. It, it, that's how it is. It's a, it's a tight family. Everybody knows each other. And, you know, people, once you get a reputation for being an asshole, it doesn't usually uh, last very long. No, so we've known you forever. Let's talk about one more photograph here and then we're going to go eat dinner here. It's the last night of the Monsters of Rock cruise. We've had a great time. Have you had a great time? Oh, unbelievable. It's so great. You this know? is the best one, I think. It is. It keeps getting better. Don't you have a song, something like that? Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking at a picture of Randy Rhodes, man. And yeah. this looks like this might have been right near before yeah, he, he, he passed. Unfortunately, yeah. This was at the Capitol Theater. And it was right before the show. I set up a backdrop. I shot the whole band as well. But uh, I wanted his guitar, you know, but they, it was on stage already. They took it from him. But I, I'm glad he didn't have his guitar because there's not many pictures of Randy without it. And look at his eyes, you know. And this is the shot that Rolling Stone used when he passed. Oh, wow. You know, so it was a meaningful photo. Yeah, yeah. You know, look, you know, yeah, this must have been not too soon. 80, before. 1981. Yeah. Yeah, I remember getting the news when Randy Rhodes uh, was killed. My friends came over and we were just crushed, man. Yeah. You know? But anyway, a great book. It's called The Decade That Rocked. And Mark, we survived it, bro. We did. We Here did. we are 30 years later to talk about it. Make sure you check out his book. Look up Mark Weiss Guy, The Decade That Rocked, and you can order it on Amazon in advance. Thank you, Frank, for having me on. It's been a a privilege and an honor to have a guy like you that's into the music and rock and you're spreading the word just like I do so you know how it feels it's great you it's meet fun. people it's interesting you share the, the world our knowledge and it's, I look at it as a rock and roll time capsule when we put this on the air we're not going to be around in 30 years 40 years you know right. but this will yeah. know? and it's kind of cool it's very cool Mark thanks for being on the Far Out Podcast woo 
Be sure to join us next Friday, July 31st on the Monsters of Rock Cruise Studios Facebook live stream at 6 p.m. with Brett Lightning from Vixen, Red Voodoo, JT Lux, and myself, your host, Frank Hannon. Buy your copy of The Decade That Rocked by Mark Weiss at thedecadethatrocked.com. Hey, this is Mark Weiss Guy Weiss, and you're listening to the Far Out Podcast.